back to the Deeper Dive podcast, Catechism of the Catholic Church, in a year. Today is day number 318, and we begin with number 2471. Before Pilate, Christ proclaims that he has come into the world to bear witness to the truth. The Christian is not to be ashamed, then, of testifying to our Lord. In situations that require witness to the faith, the Christian must profess it without equivocation. After the example of St. Paul before his judges, we must keep a clear conscience towards God and toward men. The duty of Christians to take part in the life of the church impels them to act as a witness of the gospel and of the obligations that flow from it. This witness is a transmission of the faith in words and deeds. Witness is an act of justice that establishes the truth or makes it known. All Christians, by the example of their lives and the witness of their word, wherever they live, have an obligation to manifest the new man which they have put on in baptism and to reveal the power of the Holy Spirit by whom they were strengthened at confirmation. Martyrdom is the supreme witness given to the truth of the faith. It means bearing witness even unto death. The martyr bears witness to Christ who died and rose, to whom he is united by charity. He bears witness to take the truth of faith and of Christian doctrine. He endures death through an act of fortitude. Let me become the food of the beasts, through whom it will be given me to reach God. The church has painstakingly collected the records of those who persevered to the end in witnessing to their faith. These are the acts of the martyrs. They form the archives of truth written in letters of blood. Neither the pleasures of the world nor the kingdoms of this age will be of any use to me. It is better for me to die in order to unite myself to Christ Jesus than to reign over the ends of the earth. I seek him who died for us. I desire him who rose for us. My birth is approaching. I bless you for having judged me worthy from this day and this hour to be counted among your martyrs. You have kept your promise, God of faithfulness and truth. For this reason and for everything, I praise you. I bless you. I glorify you through the eternal and heavenly high priest, Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. Through him, who is with you in the Holy Spirit, may glory be given to you, now and in the ages to come. Amen. Christ's disciples have put on the new man, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. By putting away falsehood, they are to put away all malice and all guile and insincerity and envy and all slander. False witness and perjury. When it is made publicly, a statement contrary to the truth takes on a particular gravity. In court, it becomes false witness. When it is under oath, it is perjury. Acts such as these contribute to the condemnation of the innocent, exoneration of the guilty, or the increased punishment of the accused. They gravely compromise the exercise of justice and the fairness of judicial decisions. Respect for the reputation of of person, forbids every attitude and word likely to cause them unjust injury. He becomes guilty of rash judgment who, even tacitly, assumes as true, without sufficient foundation, the moral fault of a neighbor. Of detraction, who, without an objectively valid reason, discloses another's faults and failings to persons who do not know them. Of calumny, who, by remarks contrary to the truth, arms the reputation of others, and gives occasion for false judgments concerning them. 
To avoid rash judgment, everyone should be careful to interpret insofar as possible his neighbor's thoughts, words, and deeds in a favorable way. Every good Christian ought to be more ready to give a favorable interpretation to another's statement than to condemn it. But if he cannot do so, let him ask how the other understands it. And if the latter understands it badly, let the former correct him with love. If that does not suffice, let the Christian try all suitable ways to bring the other to a correct interpretation so that he may be saved. Father Larry. Okay, so in this uh, this section, this is a really powerful section, and the first one I, I was always struck by, well, first off, it talks about how our Lord uh, stood before Pilate and, you know, Pilate asked him, you know, what is truth? And uh, and Jesus says, I came to bear witness to the truth. And Jesus accepted his crucifixion because he stated the claim that he is God and that he wanted, he was also, that was the sacrifice for our sins. And since our Lord gave this powerful sacrifice for the truth, um, we ourselves as Christians um, are also required to profess without equivocation um, to, the, you know, to the truth. And, uh, and it goes on to say that the, the most powerful way of expressing our love for God and also for standing up the truth is martyrdom. It's the, uh, the, the, it is a, the, sort of the most powerful way of expressing that. And, uh, and the, there's this, uh, you know, this beautiful quote here from the church has painstakingly collected the records of those who persevered to the end and witnessing to their faith. Right. And, uh, and we have this quote from St. Ignatius of Antioch, one of the early martyrs, who was fed to the lions. He says, let me become the food of the beasts through whom it will be given to me to reach God. And this early church uh, father, who wrote several letters to the ch- his churches, uh, rather than apostatize and, get, and reject Jesus, he said, fine, feed me to the lions. I will die for the truth. And, and I think, too, I mean, how many people today would die for their faith? You know, it's in, we as Catholics we should be at least, would be willing to do so. Obviously, it's a grace, but we should be willing to die for the faith if it came down to it. Um, you know, I was thinking about when reading this particular section about um, St. Joselito from Mexico. It was just, uh, we were talking about this in one of the podcasts about the Eucharist, and I was very struck by how, um, his father himself put it, put his son into jail and told him to reject the faith for the communists and uh, or the socialists and uh, and he you know refused to do so and they would sneak in the Eucharist to strengthen him and when they cut off the bottoms of his feet and made him walk a mile to you know so he would rethink this before they were to bury him uh, they said all right last chance what are you going to do and he said something it was in the document my faith is not for sale. <laughs> And I just was so moved by that, that this 14-year-old boy would bear witness to the truth by shedding his blood uh, for God. And, um, and I think the, the martyrs really give us courage that, you know, if someone, you know, you know t- talks about, you know, mocks the Catholic Church or mocks our teachings, that we should say, look, am I willing to maybe call, be called names uh, for the truth, you know, let alone give our lives. So that's a point number one is that martyrdom is is a way that we that is the greatest way of expressing the truth and then it kind of goes into the defenses against truth and the first is just false witness and perjury so uh you know when you when we uh lie just say something is not true contrary to truth um that's that's the sinful and whether or not it's a serious sin or a venial sin like a mortal sin or venial sin depends on the gravity of the lie right 
So if it's if we lied about something that had grave circumstances and really hurt someone uh, to some degree, then that's a serious sin. If it's something like, you know, did you make your bed? No. I mean, well, it's a venial sin. It's, it's a lie, but it's 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 probably less. So but we're, we're, it says we are as Christians to put out all guile and sincerity. And uh, we're not to, we, what we see is what we get. And sometimes, you know, we we want to sort of hide the truth because we are embarrassed or we, uh, you know, we fear, you know, just maybe getting in trouble or things like this. But experience tells us that when we tell the truth, we're actually more trustworthy and people actually trust us more. Um, so, and then obviously, uh, you know, that when we are making an oath that we have to keep that, that, you know, perjury is lying in court. That would be a serious ascent because you're swearing to God. Um, and then the next section is, is interesting. It's, it's this, um, which I don't think people realize today. And I don't think they take, uh, think about this, but the catechism in two, four, seven, seven says that, um, that, uh, that we are to, uh, avoid, um, you know, anything that would destroy the reputation of a person. And, um, you know, so, it says that respect for the reputation of persons forbids every attitude and word unlikely to cause them unjust injury. So, I mean, that's an interesting point that everyone, even if they're not a good person per se, you know, is they have the right to a good reputation. And I think uh, we tend to, I mean, we're just as bad as the rest of the world in this. You know, we, we backstab, we talk about people's faults, you know, we, I'm even worse. I mean, people lie about people that things say that true. It ruins the reputation. And, uh, one of the things that you know can wreck a person is if the re- reputation is ruined. So we have to be careful of this. And so, you know, a couple of sins against the Eighth Commandment is first is rash judgment. And the definition is if we assume is true without sufficient foundation, a moral fault of a person. So in other words, uh, you see something maybe by the way they dress and you make this sort of, you know, uh, moral judgment about their character, you, you might be completely wrong. I mean, and there are people that maybe – you think are great people underneath that they're they're not at all. They're dirtbags. I mean, it's like, in other words, we can, we can really be wrong about judgment, like judging a person by their appearance. And, and I think this happens quite a bit. Um, I think we should, you know, before we make a judgment, we should get our facts straight. Number two is detraction. And that's what, you know, the more common word that we use for this is gossip. When we talk about the faults and failings of persons who did not know them, and, and also someone who doesn't have a valid reason for knowing them, right? Um, you know, for instance, like, you know, if some kid got caught, you know, smoking pot, uh, you know, the parents have the right to know that. But, you know, to go around and tell, you know, the rest of the school that, you know, so, you know, Barney's a pothead and, you know, he's, you know, he's a wreck and all this. And then all of a sudden it gets it's spread around that he's, he's just a mess. That, w- that would be wrong. But, you know, there are certain people we do need to tell. And why? Because they, they have to take care of the situation. They got to correct them. And, but still Barney has a right to a good reputation. And, uh, and I think gossip is, you know, when we know, you know, we know some dirt on people, we're not, we're not at, we're not have the license to tell everyone about, you know, that particular uh, situation. And I think a lot of people, they gossip to make themselves feel better, you know, to sort of, you know, uh, whatever. So we have to avoid this. And then then finally is uh, calumny. And this is even worse. This is, if someone were to say something that's simply not true about someone and ruin the reputation on purpose, that's a, that's a really uh, awful thing to do. Why? Because first of all, it's not true. And secondly, um, they can't show their face. You know, I think this happened to Arch- Archbishop Pell, you know, he was unfalsely unfa- accused about, um, you know, uh, 
sexual molestation. And, you know, he's really a normal dude and just a very orthodox bishop. And they come to find out he was set up, you know, uh, by, by an organization for that. And it was an easy thing to do to ruin his reputation. And I don't know. I mean, will he ever get his reputation back? I don't know. I mean, the truth came out that it was a lie, but nonetheless, I mean, this, this, this can wreck someone. And now he doesn't have any credibility because people believe the lie that was cast against him, you know? So, um, and then the, the catechism kind of goes into this, this point about, um, you know, uh, about how to avoid rash judgment. And this is like, you know, making a judgment of character. And this is from St. Ignatius of Loyola. And I've always found this to be very helpful. It's from the spiritual exercises. And he says that every good Christian should ought to be more ready to give a favorable interpretation to another statement than to condemn it. And I know, I mean, personally, I am not the best about this. You know, at times, like, someone will, you hear something about someone, and you're like, wait, what do they mean by that? And, you know, you make this, this judgment without getting the whole story. And the church basically teaches us, before we think the person's guilty, assume their innocence first, you know? But I think we live in a society you're guilty before until proven innocent, right? So the first thing is, is maybe they just, we didn't hear it right or whatever. So that's the first step. Number two is, if, if it just if it still doesn't make sense, you're like, no, that it still doesn't make sense. Let him let him go to the person, ask him how he understands it. And I think what it, what the church is telling us is that go to the person and get the facts. All right, this is what I heard about you. Is it true? Um, and it gives the person a, a the uh, ability to defend themselves. And and if if, if um, they're a person of integrity, to tell this is what really happened. I found you know sometimes as a as a priest at the high school, like they have kids come talk to me and I'll say, is this true? And they're like, well, no, it's not father. Okay. Well, they're saying this about you. All right. Well, um, and sometimes it's helpful in helping them. But I said, what about this? Like, yeah, that is true. And it helps me to help them. And, but then the other thing it says, if the person is doing something wrong and they don't know it's wrong, let the former correct them with love. And so it, the church also tells us, and we find out that we are correct about our judgment, then we have to correct them. Right. And uh, you know, in a sense, this don't judge doesn't mean you don't help and, and if someone's sinning, we, we have the obligation to help them to live the truth, right? That this is all about truth. If they're not living truth, then if, we, if we've if we you know got our facts straight, then we have the obligation, the duty, the sacred duty to correct the person with love, you know, with charity, because we love the soul of the person. And, um, and then finally it says, uh, try all suitable ways to bring the other to correct interpretation so that they may be saved, right? So this is a great, great thing to think about because I think these, this is a very certain area where people really struggle with, especially in this um, generation of social media and canceling and all this other stuff that happens is uh, do we have the facts straight, you know? And once again, as Catholics, we're called to be men and women of truth.